Welcome back to Topless Government. Uh, this is a show, or it's a cross between Schoolhouse Rock and Civics for the Masses. And I appreciate y'all tuning in and listening to me. Um, we're going to do appropriations. Um, we're in the thick of appropriations uh, because, as everybody knows, we just had our midterm elections back on November 8th. And everybody thought that there was going to be a red wave, and it didn't happen. The Democrats did far better than anybody could have imagined. And as I've spoke about this on previous episodes, we talked about how historically in midterm elections, those that are in power lose seats, uh, a great deal of seats. In this case, the Democrats did they did lose the majority. However, they did pick up a lot of seats uh, that were Republican held seats. And so as of right now, according to MSNBC, their map, it is 214 to 222. But I believe there are two races still uncalled. So the Republicans have a very slim majority for next Congress. And I know you're wondering, why is she talking about this? Well, because it relates to the topic that I'm discussing with you right now, appropriations. So right now, everyone is in the process of trying to figure out how they complete fiscal year 2023 appropriations. Because as you know, our government is running on a continuing resolution, which means they will continue funding the government until December 16th, 2022. But it's under previous fiscal year levels, which technically could be perceived as a cut. So Congress does have until December 16th, 2022 to get all 12 appropriation bills passed and signed into law by President Biden. One of the things that I've been hearing from members of Congress is that there may be an omnibus appropriations bill. Now you're asking yourself again and probably scratching your head, what does that mean? An omnibus appropriations bill is a combination of, of all 12 bills in one bill. Also, there could be extraneous pieces of legislation, must-pass legislation, that will be attached to the Omnibus Appropriations Bill. And some of those must-pass bills are the National Defense Authorization Act, but that is actually called the James Inhofe National Defense um, Authorization Act. And the reason why it's named after James Inhofe, it's He's the senior senator from the state of Oklahoma. He's a Republican and he's retiring at the end of the 117th Congress that we're still in. So let's get back to the topic at hand. I will tell you, I really don't know when they're going to end this. They're going to have to end this. Uh, they are negotiating. Um, House and Senate appropriation chairman and ranking members. I mean, they are negotiating this along with House Democratic leadership, 
um, and Senate Democratic leadership and the Republican leadership in both chambers. I don't know when they're going to get this done. It's going to happen. It has to happen before December 16th, because if it doesn't, government shutdown. And I know y'all don't want that. And as I've said in previous episodes, government shutdown is not good for our economy. It is not good for our country. And I have actually gone through a government shutdown when I worked on Capitol Hill. And also when I was in high school and my father worked at the government publishing office. No one wants a government shutdown. But if they do not complete the business of the appropriations for fiscal year 2023, there will be a government shutdown. So um, as I have stated before, there are community project funding requests in the appropriation bills. And those are direct dollars that go to either a nonprofit, which could be a university or college, um, municipals, which could be a state, county, or city, or parish. And a parish is the only state in our in the union that has parishes is Louisiana. So there are different community project funding projects in some of the appropriation bills. And full disclosure, I have worked on securing community project funding for some of my clients. And again, that's direct funding. A lot of people uh, support having these types of projects in the appropriation bills. But the one thing that I will tell you, because Republicans have taken back they're going to take back um, the majority in the 118th Congress. They are working, the House of Representatives are working on the rules for the new Congress. And actually, the House Rules Committee sent out a notice earlier this week because they are going to hold a hearing on the new rules of the House of Representatives for the 118th Congress. So members get to testify with regards to ideas that they would like to see in the new rules package for the 118th Congress. So that's going to be interesting to see, you know, what people are going to come up with to try and get it included in the new rules package. And one of, one of the ideas could be that you can't have community project funding in appropriation bills. And I think that would that would be a that would be a crime shame, to be perfectly honest, because remember, under the Constitution, Congress has the power of the purse. The House has the right and the authority to bring up appropriation bills as well as tax measures. They have to originate in the House. They cannot originate in the Senate. They have to originate in the House, and that is in the Constitution. So it's going to be interesting to see if they do keep community project funding requests, because to be honest with you, having the power of the purse is a very important function of Congress, the legislative branch. And if they decide not to have community project funding, that is basically allowing the executive branch to have that power and make those decisions on where your dollars go. 
Remember my citizen legislators, this government is your government. You pay for it through your taxes. That's how our government is operated, through our taxes. And if you would like to see a nonprofit, a county, a city, a town, a parish or a state to get, you know, additional directed funding, then, you know, Congress should be able to do that. But I mean, again, it, it's everything is up in limbo because this week coming up, the week of November 28th is going to be an interesting week. The Senate is going to continue debate on the Respect for Marriage Act. And then once they complete business on that, I really hope that they start work on FY23 appropriations. And if they're going to do an omnibus, let's just get this done. Let's just get the omnibus done. And if you want to try and attach the Defense Authorization Act, and then also I've heard in the media the Water Resources Development Act, which provides authorizations of water projects through the Army Corps of Engineers. So I heard that that is going to be attached as well. But I mean, you know what? We're going to have to wait and see. We just, we really are going to have to wait and see. But also just think about with new members coming in, they came in last week for orientation and there were some low-level leadership races that occurred. Uh, the Democrats will probably, House Democrats will likely do their leadership races, <coughs> excuse me, next week. And it's interesting because I just want to talk a little bit about what happened last week with Speaker Nancy Pelosi, the Democrat from California. Uh, her district is San Francisco area. Let's talk about that for a moment. Um, she made the decision to announce that she was not going to run for a, a Democratic leadership next Congress. And I applaud her for that. I, I really, really do. I applaud her for that because, you know, you're bringing in new blood from younger members in the Democratic caucus. And so I applaud her for doing that. I mean, she's still going to be a backbencher member of Congress. And I think she'll be able to help the new leadership team um, maneuver its way to the new Congress, the 118th Congress. Uh, also, Representative uh, Steny Hoyer, Democrat from Maryland, his district is in southern Prince George's County. And he actually, for me growing up, he was my member of Congress. He also announced that he's not going to run for a leadership position in the 118th Congress. So it's quite interesting because now he's going to be able to go back to the House Appropriations Committee. And the one other thing I forgot is that Speaker Pelosi was a member of the House Appropriations Committee, too. <coughs> Excuse me. So... It'll be interesting to see, you know, how they will go back onto that committee. And if both of them, if Speaker Pelosi is going to go back on that committee, uh, I don't think she's made a decision about that. Um, I may be wrong, 
But it'll be interesting to see, you know, two former Democratic leadership folks back on appropriations. That's going to be very, very interesting. And I mean, I, I can honestly tell you, uh, Steny Hoyer is actually very well respected on both sides of the aisle. Uh, he works well with a lot of folks and so does Speaker Pelosi, but she's she's a good strategist. And I think she's going to help out a great deal with the new House leadership team. And I heard Congressman Hakeem Jeffries, Democrat from New York, he wants to run as Democratic leader. And then you have uh, Congresswoman Catherine, I forgot her name, from Massachusetts. I, I, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm blanking on her name. Um, she's going to run. And then there's another gentleman who who wants to um, to run in the leadership race. I think uh, Peter Aguaya. Um, I may be mispronouncing his name and I do apologize for that. But I think with this new leadership team, it's going to help out a great deal because they, 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 they need new leadership. Um, they need a team that is going to combat the new Republican majority in the 118th Congress. I mean, because that's going to be that's going to be really, really needed. Um, but I'm just hoping that they just get their job, that, that just get the job done. Because, you know, one of the things that I have in my show notes is a CR, you know, some links to CRS reports about the appropriations process and with regards to when the House passed um, a minibus, a mini appropriations bill with six bills, they passed it. And then also um, there's a link to the press release from the Senate Appropriations Committee they released all 12 of their committee reports back in July. But now, you know, it's after Thanksgiving. It's the day after Thanksgiving. Um, you know, the House is in recess for Thanksgiving. And they'll, but they did a pro forma session where they went in, they gaveled in. You know, there was no legislative business, no votes, but they gaveled in and then they gaveled out. And so when they come back Monday, I mean, again, I mean, I don't, we haven't found out what the floor schedule is going to be for the house. We haven't found that out yet. But like I said, you know, I believe that they are negotiating how they're going to, you know, wrap up business for the 117th Congress and adjourn sine die. And what I mean by that is ending the two year period of the 117th Congress, because we're now in the second session of the 117th Congress, and the 118th Congress will reconvene on January 3rd, 2023. And remember, when I talked about lame duck, the 20th Amendment to the Constitution created the new day on an odd year that Congress reconvenes. So you learn something new every day because I certainly did not know about that. And it was quite interesting. Now, I know a lot of you are asking, um, why can't Congress get all 12 appropriation bills done? That's a good question. Sometimes 
actually it how am I gonna put this? It has become very, very more more partisan than ever up on the hill. And the fact that the Democrats are in control of the legislative branch and the executive branch, you would think that it would be easy to get appropriations done. Well, it's not. The one thing you have to start with is the president's budget request. And he is supposed to submit his budget request the second Tuesday of February. Most of the time that doesn't happen. And, you know, when it doesn't, it kind of delays the process, the appropriations process. Then on top of that, normally Congress is supposed to do a budget resolution. And that budget resolution is an internal guide on spending for that fiscal year. This year, there wasn't a budget resolution. They deemed it as complete, which is fine. And then, you know, there was a discussion about the top line number that you can spend for fiscal year 2023. And then you divide that top line number by 12. And that's for the 12 appropriation bills. And, you know, this year, you know, again, they didn't do a budget resolution, but they did a bu- they did a budget reconciliation because, you know, they wanted to do the Inflation Reduction Act. And so that was done. And then remember they did last year, they did budget reconciliation for the American Rescue Plan. And the reason why that they did it under budget reconciliation is because it's easier for you to get it passed. It's a simple majority of 51 in the Senate. So that's why the Democrats chose to go down the reconciliation route. But this year, you know, once the president submits his budget request, then the House and Senate appropriation committees, they invite members of the president's cabinet to come up and testify and talk about their priorities for fiscal year 2023. And then as they continue to have these hearings, that will help them start drafting the individual appropriation bills, which are 12 in total. And before they do that, they have to come up, they have the top line number or it's like the 302B allocations. And those are divided by the 12 appropriation bills. And then the House House will release those sub allocations. And then those subcommittees cannot spend past that sub allocation amount. The funny thing is the House was able to get six bills passed, you know, in a small mini omnibus appropriations bill. They were able to get that passed. Normally, there's always a problem with one particular bill, and that's the Homeland Security Appropriations Bill for 2023. It's contentious because the Department of Homeland Security has, you know, ICE, and it's the Immigration Control Enforcement Agency. And it's it's become a very partisan and divisive issue because Republicans are concerned about the southern border 
and about um, the migration of those coming from the Latin American countries. And so they continue to use the Homeland Security Appropriations Bill as a vehicle and actually as a weapon uh, against the Democrats because they they believe the Democrats are not doing enough on immigration reform and that they need to build a wall um, to stop people from coming in the United States illegally via the southern border. So Homeland Security is a, you know, it, that, that's a tricky bill to get done. In the past, it's been the Labor Health and Human Services Bill uh, because of the Health and Human Services, the Department of Health and Human Services. And, you know, they have the abortion provisions in there. There's the Hyde Amendment, you know, that's in there. Um and, you know, it's just a variety of reasons that, you know, labor HHS appropriations bills in the past have been contentious, but now it's Homeland Security appropriations. So the one thing that I will just say, after they've gotten this, they've announced the sub um, allocations, the 302Bs, then Congress, the, um, the House and Senate appropriation committees go to work. They'll draft the bills. Then the subcommittees will hold, you know, a markup. And now this is after all the hearings that were held with the different cabinet level independent agencies coming up to testify about their priorities for fiscal year 2023. After that, uh, you know, the subcommittees will do a markup. Normally, there are no amendments offered at subcommittee level, which is good because they want to wait till full committee and have a debate and discussion. And then members of the committee are, you know, the full committee are allowed to offer amendments. Uh, and a lot of times those markups last hours for hours. And again, they can be very, very contentious. And because the Democrats are in the majority, you know, majority rules in the house. It just does because you have the numbers. So once, you know, the full committee marks up the 12 bills, then the, you know, the House Democratic leadership or the leadership that's in charge, they will make the decision on when there will be floor time for those bills. But before it can go to the floor, it has to go to the House Rules Committee because the House Rules Committee actually decides the rules of debate, but you have to go and testify in front of the rules committee and you have to submit your amendments to them. I believe 48 hours and there's like an internal portal in the house where member offices, personal offices can go and upload their amendments. And so everyone has to come and testify. And then after they testify, the Rules Committee holds a vote. And then they also decide on what is going to be the rule of debate for that particular piece of legislation. And you should see whether or not, you should go on um, the House Rules Committee website. Um, it's very, very, it's fascinating. And I think 
you will learn a lot because it's all publicized. It is. It's all publicized. And so it's the rules.house.gov, I believe. Um, but I think, you know, this is this is what they have to do on the House side. They have a rules committee. Uh, the Senate does not have a rules committee. I mean, they have the Senate rules and administration uh, committee, but it doesn't have the same function as the House Rules Committee um, because everything is done by unanimous consent in the Senate and it's done by precedent. But there's a rule for everything in the House. So all I'm going to tell you is I think you can, you know, check it out. Oh, one thing I do want to correct when I said about um, the majority uh, for what, the 118th Congress, I said 214 Democrats, 222 Republican is 213 Democratic seats. So I apologize about that. Um, but like I said, it's the Republicans are have a, they're going to have a slim majority next Congress. They are. And it's going to be interesting to see, you know, what's going to happen. Um I'm interested in knowing whether or not if they're going to keep, you know, appropriations. I mean, earmarks. They, I, I just, I want them to keep earmarks. They need to keep them. They really do. Um, so we'll see what happens. But as I said, you know, the Rules Committee plays an important role in getting these bills to the floor. But remember, House leadership dictates the floor schedule. And they put it on the union calendar. And once it's on the union calendar, that's it. So rules committee is very, very important. It's a, it's a prestigious committee. And, you know, there have been a lot of freshmen that have been on that committee. And I mean, it, like I said, it's an important committee. So once the rules committee, again, has voted on. Okay, so the rules committee website is this. It's rules.house.gov. www.rules.house.gov. So rules committee has made the decision on how the uh, bill is going to be debated. It could be an open rule, which means everyone has the right to offer an amendment. It could be a closed rule or semi-modified closed rule where there are only certain amendments that are going to be allowed to be offered. Um, I will tell you this, most of the time with the appropriation bills, there is, it's, a, it's an open rule. Sometimes, but, you know, what are you going to do? So once they go to the floor and everyone is allowed to offer an amend offer amendments. And I believe you have to be, um, you know, it has to be germane. And what I mean by germane, like it has to pertain to a certain section of the bill. And. So normally it could be completed. I mean, it depends. I mean, sometimes 
appropriation bills when they're on the floor, if they've come up with an agreement, it can be done rather smoothly. It could probably take hours to get through all those amendments, or sometimes they have to adjourn and go to the next day to get it done. I mean, because sometimes it could just it could take it could take a couple of days to get through all those amendments. Because sometimes, I mean, people will offer multiple amendments. And I mean, and if they're made in order by the rules committee, then, you know, they got to debate them. And most of the time what they try and do, you know, so when you get down to the floor, so that, that you have the chair and ranking member who are the floor leaders during debate of their appropriations bill. And sometimes, you know, deals are cut down on the floor and then they'll start bundling up, you know, amendments in block so they can get through them faster and vote on them faster. Or they can do, you know, they can ask, you know, unanimous consent if they, if they agree to these amendments being passed by voice vote. They can ask for a voice vote and that helps get you know, certain amendments pass more quickly. But, you know, sometimes, like I said, like with the Homeland Security, that will take forever because there are a lot of, you know, because sometimes the Rules Committee will rule, well, we're only going to allow a certain amount of amendments. And to be honest with you, the Republican conference, they have complained about that because they feel like, in the minority, their rights are being infringed upon because they're not allowed to offer amendments. Or uh, let me let me let me rephrase that: offering amendments that they want debated because they want to use this against the Democrats. They want them to vote on, you know, they want tough votes, so they want to use that on the campaign trail. I mean, it's done all the time. Both sides of the aisle do it all the time. But, it, I mean, it happens more often than not. But that's the procedural part. And I hope that that was informative for you because, again, I mean, looking at my show notes, uh, I have the CRS reports and, you know, you know, some other things that you can look at. You can go on congress.gov and then go down to the Congressional Research Service reports. They are very, very enlightening, very informative. Some of them are issues in brief. Some of them are very long. But I do highly recommend that you check it out because the Congressional Research Service, it, it, it's, a, it's a good you know, interagency within the legislative branch. I mean, they work specifically for Congress. They're, they provide them with all the technical assistance um, when it comes to a variety of issues. I mean, when I worked on Capitol Hill, I used the Congressional Research Service or CRS staff a lot. I mean, if I didn't, if I wanted some research done, I would reach out to, to CRS. And like I said, they're, they're very, these are experts and it's great now that every America, American has um, the ability to search 
through the Congressional Research Service now. They just do. And they didn't in the past. For some reason, they didn't. And there was kind of like this bootleg link uh, that you could go to and get, you know, CRS reports. But now you can go on congress.gov and that's through the Library of Congress. So you should check it out. Really check it out because there are a lot of different CRS reports that will help you understand how your government works. Because remember, I want you to become more knowledgeable about the inner workings of the federal government, um, specifically the legislative branch, the executive branch, and even the judicial branch. And, you know, we've, I haven't talked a lot about the judicial branch. You know, I did in my first episode, the overturning of Roe v. Wade, but, you know, that was a while ago. But I mean, I would, I would definitely check out the Congressional Research Service because it's, it's a wealth of information. It's free. Your tax dollars pay for it. Remember that. So my citizen legislators, just make sure that, you know, knowledge is power. I've told you this before. It is power. And I don't want you to be gained out of the system because you're not aware of certain things on how your government works. I mean, this is what topless government is about. It's about providing you with the tools and the resources for you to learn more about your government. And then also it's, it, you know, this will, this will help you when you hear politicians talk about a variety of issues. And it also will help you, you know, election time as well. Now we've gone through the 2022 midterms and now we're going to be gearing up for the 2024 presidential election cycle. And it's going to get more intense. And so I'm hoping that you were able to watch my live broadcast on election night. Uh, we were broadcasting live for five and a half hours. And actually, that, that was a good thing because, you know, sometimes folks just don't understand why is it important to vote. And particularly, why is it important to vote for a certain candidate? And I will have to tell you, because I asked my nephew this, um, I asked him for honest, constructive criticism about my live broadcast on election night. And he told me the only thing he said overall, he said it was the broadcast was good. Uh, but he said, I didn't go into detail why it was important to vote for a particular candidate. And he's right. And the thing is, well, you know, when you're voting for a particular candidate, if you are in agreement with that candidate on issues of importance to you, you know, you should vote for them. But I think the reason why people should vote for, you know, certain candidates is because it's about the majority being the majority or in the minority. Because in the House, majority rules. In the Senate, minorities, the minority has certain rights. And, you know, it's just a fact. You know, it's the numbers game. And in the Senate, you need 60 votes to get any legislative business done. Now, when it comes to judicial nominations, you don't need 60 votes. And that's because of the nuclear option. 
the nuclear option is, you know, it's a simple majority of 51. But with all other matters, legislative matters, you need 60. And that's what people need to understand. You need 60. And since I'm going down this road, well, we have one runoff race in the United States Senate. We have the incumbent Senator Raphael Warnock, a Democrat, and you have his opponent, Herschel Walker, Republican. They are going into a runoff December 6th, and that's not far away. And the thing is, right now, the Democrats still hold, they will still hold a majority in the, the Senate, in the 118th Congress. But if they get... If, if Senator Warnock wins on December 6th, it'll be 51-49. That's a lot. I mean, that's a cushion for the Democrats for next year. It's a cushion for them. Because remember, right now, they're doing a power sharing agreement with Republicans because it's 50-50 split. But with Vice President Kamala Harris, she is deciding time. She, she's the vote, deciding vote. Just think about that. I mean, next Congress, you know, like I said, should Senator Warnock win, there'll be 51 Democratic senators. And you could get a lot more done in the Senate. And so keep a lookout for that race. I mean, there are some races that are still uncalled in the, um, not called, in the House. Um, but, you know, we all know that the Republicans will be in the majority in the new Congress when they reconvene at noon on January 3rd, 2023. And uh, um, also, I think it's a good idea, my citizen um, legislators, you start looking at the new freshman members uh, that are going to come in in the 118th Congress. Now, there's an app that you should definitely keep a lookout on. Um, I actually have this and it's actually been very, very helpful. It's called Dome Directory. And it actually has all of the incoming house Dems and the incoming house rep reps or Republicans in the 118th Congress. And also they have the new incoming senators, which is very, very nice. I mean, there are quite a few new senators. Um, you know, unfortunately, you still in the new the new incoming senators, you only got one woman. One woman. Her uh, senator elect Katie Brett, she's Republican from Alabama. And she actually worked, she was a congressional staffer. She's taking um, over Senator Richard Shelby's seat. And he's actually um, on the Senate Appropriations Committee. He's ranking Republican. But she's coming in um, and it's going to be interesting to see what committees are going to be assigned to her. That's going to be very, very interesting. So... I mean, y'all should take a look. Y'all should take a look at this um, because Dome Directory is going to be really, really helpful. So you can see, you can download it on um, ISO 
or um, what's the other one? Uh, Android, Android. So, like I said, and in, in, like the you know, in the house, I mean, they had a lot of women are um, coming in as freshmen. And actually, there is one of the youngest members of Congress. He's 25, 26 from Florida. He's coming in. I mean, the new freshman class, they they already, you know, they did their orientation a week ago. And they took their, um, the freshman class picture on the steps of the Capitol. And actually, I have, I'm a shout out to one of my um, former colleagues, um, from Preston Gates, which is now KNL Gates, um, Glenn Ivy, he's going to be representing, um, I believe, the Fourth Congressional District of Maryland. That's where my family resides. So he's going to be a new member of Congress, and I'm hoping that I'm able to, you know, work with him again. Um, he was actually he's an attorney by trade. Um, he was the state's attorney general for PG County. Um, he actually worked on the Hill. I believe he works for Senator Tom Daschle, who was a Democrat from South Dakota, and he was majority leader. And I believe he worked for the late Senator Paul Sarbanes. So it's going to be interesting to see like what committee assignments these new freshmen are going to get um, in the House and the Senate. And also, I mean, you should you should think about that because the makeup of the committees next year, the Democrats are going to lose um, seats on committees because they're in the minority and the Republicans are going to gain seats. So it's going to be interesting to see um, with the runoff, you know, once we find out who wins the runoff in the Georgia Senate race, that's going to, you know, if if. If Herschel Walker wins, then it's 50-50 and the Democrats are still in control because Vice President Kamala Harris is the deciding vote. But, I mean, it, it's going to be interesting. I'm like, I'm very interested in seeing who's going to get on what committees. And also, like, um, those incumbents who weren't up for re-election this cycle you know, are they going to stay on the committees or are they going to go to new committees? One of the things that I've been hearing with regards to House appropriations, you know, there are four uh, Republican members who are looking, you know, to stay on their subcommittees, but they have to ask for a waiver. And it'll be interesting to see if that waiver is going to be granted by the speaker. So. Oh, and, oh, and you know what? That is actually a good segue. The speaker's race. Citizen legislators, I need y'all to keep a lookout on that because January 3rd is when they vote for the speaker of the House. And it's going to be interesting. Now, I, I'm, I know all of you are aware that Congressman Kevin McCarthy, Republican from California, is going to run for speaker. I've been hearing that he doesn't have the numbers. The math is not there. I may be wrong, but it's going to be interesting to see on January 3rd when they hold that vote with all members after they get sworn in, 
and then they vote. It's going to be interesting to see. So I, I really hope that, you know, you guys keep a lookout for that because that's going to be really, really telling on how, you know, the Republican conference is going to vote on the speakership. It's going to be interesting to see. Um, I'm actually kind of looking forward to it because uh, once that's all done, you know, they're going to be the individual swearing ins with the speaker and then the 118th Congress will begin. And it's going to be the first session of a new Congress. And remember, Congress, you know, the sessions last two years. And so the 118th Congress, I think, is going to be very interesting for all of us. And that's why, again, I want you to be aware of what's going on, be prepared, be knowledgeable. Because personally, I'm 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 just gonna say this. I think next Congress is going to be the 118th Congress is gonna be a do-nothing Congress. Because you have a few in the Republican conference who have already said that they're going to investigate the president and his son. And you have others who are, have been talking about bringing Dr. Anthony Fauci up to the Hill. Um, also the Secretary of Homeland Security up to the Hill. Um, they want him to resign. Um, Representative Kevin McCarthy went down on the Southern border and basically held this press conference about basically saying that the Secretary of Homeland Security should resign because he's not doing his job. And that fentanyl is coming, you know, through our, to our country through the southern border because there's no wall there. It, it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, like I said, it, this is just going to be investigations after investigations. Nothing is going to get done. Um, but, you know, the midterm elections, I mean, this is divided government. And sometimes Americans like divided government and, and that's fine. But again, this is just my personal assessment and opinion I just think the 118th Congress is going to be a do-nothing Congress. And, 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 and that's, that's most unfortunate because there's a lot of things that need to be done. So my citizen legislators, I really want you to be prepared and just pay attention. It's going to be frustrating. And one other thing that I would really ask you, you know, shoot me a line and let me know what you would like for me to discuss um, in my Government 101 episodes. Or, you know, if you want to be a guest on the show, you know, please, you know, send me an email. It's toplessgovernment at gmail.com. Uh, I would really like, you know, for you to come on the show if you like, or just give me a topic of discussion that, you know, like if you want to, you want to learn about the advice and consent power of the Senate. Or if you want to learn, you know, something else, like, just let me know. I mean, because seriously, I'm here for you. I'm here to help out. I want to, you know, provide you with the knowledge that I had, you know, from university and working on Capitol Hill, working in the private sector. I mean, I think I, I want to pay it forward. That's what I want to do. And. I'm just going to tell you, because I am just want to tell you about 
One final thing about appropriations and particularly for FY23, remember the date, December 16, 2022, Congress has to pass all 12 bills because that's when the continued resolution expires. They need to get their work done on appropriations done by then. If they don't, government shutdown. And y'all know what that means. And you know what it looks like. You know what it looks like. But also remember this. Members of Congress still get paid regardless. Y'all remember that. So should a government shutdown occur, you need to contact your member of Congress. And you need to let he or she know that this is unacceptable, that you, you pay them for a job to get done. And this is a part of their job. It's a major part of their job in keeping the government operating and functioning. And they need to do that. And I'm hoping, well, no, I should, well, I'm going to say it. It's my hope that the process for FY24, 2024 is smooth. I don't think it's going to be because, you know, the Republicans are going to be back in control of the House. Um, but we'll see. But I, but I think, <coughs> excuse me, there are some Republicans <coughs> who want to get stuff done. They do. They want to get stuff done. So, I mean, I, again, with regards to FY23, I, I, I would just say this, you know, like I said earlier, there are some things that they, you know, folks want to put into the, the, uh, the bill. So they are, again, they want to do an omnibus, and that is a combination of all 12 appropriation bills. They want to do the National Defense Authorization Act, because that's a must-pass piece of legislation. The, uh, the Water Resources Development Act. I mean, they're even talking about... Um, the Pandemic Preparedness Act. I mean, there's just a whole, there's a variety of things that need to be done during lame duck, but it is paramount that they finish their work on FY 2023 appropriations. That is critical. We cannot have another government shutdown. We cannot. But, you know, I think it's just, it's up in the air. I think we may get an inkling of when they've made a final agreement on FY 2023 appropriations or fiscal year 2023 appropriations. So if that happens, I'm all for it. I'm happy because I got to be honest, I want the 117th Congress to adjourn sine die so bad. I really, really do. It's been a long two years. It has. It's been a long two years. And one of the other things that may be considered, I know that they're trying to do an emergency appropriation supplemental and provide more foreign aid to the Ukraine. But also I've been hearing that they want to provide an emergency supplemental for hurricanes Fiona and Ian. And um, I've read recently that there is an additional $10 billion that will likely go to the Federal Emergency Management Agency. Um, that would be very, very helpful to folks in Florida um, that were impacted by Hurricane Ian. 
And then also Hurricane uh, Fiona that hit Puerto Rico really, really hard. There's still a lot of work to be done in Florida, in the western part of Florida and in Puerto Rico. And it's going to take a very, very long time for folks to rebuild what they lost. And, you know, I've heard that there are a lot of Floridians who don't have shelter. They can't go back into their homes. And I have heard, you know, the FEMA trailers can't be released. And because it's some it's a, it's a bureaucratic snafu because of the state. And there are a lot of folks that are like, look, you know, winter's coming. Sound familiar? I, I apologize for using the Game of Thrones analogy, but winter is coming. We are there. And folks need to, I mean, it would be nice for them to have access to their property and to be able to have a separate place to stay on their property while they rebuild. I mean, I hope that happens. We'll see. I mean, but everything, you know, just it, it, it operates very, very slowly. But that's another thing that, you know, Congress is going to consider once they come back. And I, like I said, I think this week is going to be the, the telling week of what they get done. And, you know, like I said, we're still operating under a continuing resolution and that, you know, it expires December 16th. So we're hoping that Congress will get it done, wrap it up really quickly. But like I said, there are, there are other things that folks are discussing um, to have that added on to the appropriations um, bill. Um, also the debt ceiling. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, we're close to, um, to the threshold. And I believe secretary of the treasury said that they need to get that done. And I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it, it, it's interesting because the Senate, they were working on, the National Defense Authorization Act. There are a thousand amendments that were filed. Let me repeat that, a thousand amendments that were filed. So it's gonna be, I don't know. Like I said, I mean, there are a lot of unknowns, which is unfortunate, um, but Democrats are floating the idea of combining the Omnibus, the National Defense um, Authorization Act, uh, I, I, you know, we'll see. I, I, it's just, you know, it's a long list of stuff that, you know, they want to get done. And, you know, you know, the media reports have said um, House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy and Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell have said that they're interested in getting the spending bills and NDAA done for a clean slate when, you know, the House majority takes over in January. I mean, I don't know. Like I said, you know, the House, Congress returned after the midterms on November 14th. And I think everything is going to, this week, this coming week, 
you know, they're going to complete, I'm hoping that they're going to complete their, you know, at least try to go down that road and, and get it done. Um, Cause I heard now they're the targeted adjournment date is December 21st. But that means, you know, they're going to have to get stuff done because the continued resolution expires December 16th. So again, you know, we'll see what happens, but you know, there's some other things that um, that could be in the omnibus appropriations bill, like the okay Ukraine aid, twelve point four billion dollars, disaster assistance. So at first they were talking about, um, so it was eighteen point eight billion that was in the continuing resolution or shorthand CR back in September. But that was before the full impact of Hurricane Ian, you know, now it's like, okay, but Senator Marco Rubio, Republican from Florida, has proposed a $33 billion request for an emer for emergency aid. And that includes $12.4 billion for the Army Corps of Engineers to repair damage and initiate coastal storm risk management, flood control, and other things. And then on top of that, as I said before, another $10 billion for the Federal Emergency Management Agency, and that's mostly to replenish the disaster relief fund. So this could be a part of the Omnibus Appropriations Bill. Also, there's some health provisions. Um, with Excuse me, with regards to COVID-19. Uh, the president would like to provide more money uh, for COVID and, and monkeypox virus. Another thing, flood insurance. The National Flood Insurance Program, ah, it's been extended on a short-term basis over 20 times. And it's more, guess how much money it's in debt, $20 billion in debt to the U.S. Treasury. So it's likely that it will be extended again, and this will be included in the spending package. Then also there's Medicare and Medicaid, and yeah. And then there's uh, Veterans Affairs and Public Health. They're talking about, you know, providing, you know, doing extensions of funding for veterans and public health programs. Uh, the Temporary Assistance for Needy Family Program. It's a $16.5 billion entitlement program to help low-income families. Um, again, there's the pandemic prep, and this is a bill that was introduced by Senators Patty Murray and Richard Burr. There's retirement security that may be added on. I mean, look, there's just a variety of things that's, that, that, that's looking to be added into uh, the Omnibus Appropriations Bill. And then also remember CHIPS funding. So there was an authorization bill, the CHIPS and Science Act, and that was authorization of appropriations. Now they're talking about they need the actual appropriations to fund the, the um, authorization. So that is going to be interesting. And then also... Um, Marijuana banking. 
there's legislation that will give cannabis firms access to banking and it revisits the harsh sentences for marijuana crimes. Um, this is being pushed by Senator Chuck Schumer. He's the minority majority leader in the Senate. I, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, there's just the harder sell is the debt limit. I mean, it's just and that's the nation's that's our borrowing authority. So we're about to hit that. And um, I don't know. And there's tax credits that may be added. Uh, you know, the child tax credit, uh, the research and development tax credit. You know, who knows? And, and here's another thing that's a most important thing for local governments. It's the state and local government tax deduction. They, many, many members of Congress, particularly in the Northeast part of the country, would like to have that. They either are seeking, these members are either seeking to repeal or increase the $10,000 cap on the state and local tax, or as it's called, SALT deductions. I don't know. I mean, you know, we'll see. Immigration, that's a hot topic. But like, like I said, these are just some of the things that are floating out there. And I don't know. I mean, I don't know. But you know, I'm hoping that everything will work out and that we will get stuff done. I don't know. So I'm going to wrap this up and this is Topless Government, the Government and Politics Show. My citizen legislators, I really hope that you enjoyed this and I would be pleased if you would subscribe, rate, and review the show. Uh, we're on Facebook, Spotify, Player FM, Boom. So my citizen legislators, thank you again for the opportunity to share my knowledge with you and to actually share my love of politics. I hope each and every one of you had a wonderful Thanksgiving with your family. And I hope that you have a really good weekend. And I know today is Black Friday. And I hope that you get those deals, get those deals. And then also, I want to do a shout out. Okay, the World Cup, FIFA Cup. Guess who's playing right now? The USA is playing England. And um, I have to say, my, my chosen family, they're British. And one of them, my dear friend Paul, bless his heart, he's already talking smack that England is going to punish USA. I hope not, but I hate to say this about the US soccer team. They're not all that good, but it is what it is. And yeah, um, everybody is now downstairs cheering. I keep hearing cheers. So on that note, my citizen legislators, I hope if you're watching the match, please, please support our U.S. soccer team. Thank you so much for allowing me on your airwaves. And I look forward to talking and chatting with you again. Have a great weekend. And gobble, gobble, gobble.